Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to Exco Technologies Limited First Quarter Results 2022. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask the question during this session, you will need to press star then one on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star then zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to your speaker for today, Darren Kirk, President and Chief Executive Officer. You may begin. Thank you, Twanda. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Exco Technologies' Fiscal 2022 First Quarter Conference Call. I am Darren Kirk, CEO of Exco. I will lead off with an operations overview. Matthew Posno, our CFO, will then review the financial results before we open the call for questions. Before I begin, I would like to make some comments about forward-looking information. In yesterday's news release and on page two of the presentation that we have posted to our website, you'll find cautionary notes in that regard. While I won't repeat the contents, I want to emphasize that they apply to this discussion today. So it was a challenging quarter with several factors catching up to us. Lower vehicle production volumes due to ongoing chip shortage was the biggest contributor. However, labor disruption due to the greater spread of the Omicron variant, widespread inflationary pressures, inventory destocking, broader supply chain issues, and logistical constraints also contributed. But I want to emphasize that while the quarter was challenging and while our results were well below our recent performance, nothing has changed fundamentally for Exco or our medium-term outlook. We expect much stronger results in the quarters ahead. In fact, with that in mind, I am very pleased to announce that yesterday our board of directors approved a 5% increase in our dividend to an annualized rate of 42 cents per share. This is the 14th time Exco has increased its dividend in the last 13 consecutive years. I'm not sure how many other companies have done this, but I do know it's a pretty exclusive club. Despite current headwinds, we remain encouraged by the underlying trends across our various businesses that will contribute to our future growth. I've mentioned several times before the automotive industry's transformation towards electric vehicles and focus on reducing emissions is extremely positive for Exco's tooling businesses. As OEMs make the change to greener vehicles and strive for greater manufacturing efficiency, there is an increased use of light metals and the demand for our associated tooling. There is also increasing demand for technical expertise at the supplier level as products become larger and more complex. More broadly, we also expect to benefit from the trend towards larger and more complex castings across the industry as all OEMs seem likely to pursue this playbook. In addition, there is a heightened focus on efficiency by all manufacturers for sustainability initiatives that will be very positive for the entirety of our tooling business. In anticipation of these trends, 
we continue to make sizable investments in order to better position our various businesses to capture these opportunities. We are investing record sums of CapEx this year across several initiatives, and we made great headway on advancing these projects during the quarter. By this point, I think the constrained supply of microchips impacting the OEM's ability to manufacture vehicles is well understood. Most industry players and analysts do, however, expect an improvement in supply as we go through 2022. IHS, for example, is anticipating a 17% increase in vehicle volumes in 2022 and a further 11% in 2023. It is important to understand that underlying demand for vehicles remains strong. This is evidenced by record high prices for used vehicles, significantly depleted dealer inventories, and an aging of the on-road vehicle fleet to historic levels. Turning to the quarter and first looking at our automotive solutions segment, overall vehicle production volumes in North America and Europe were down about 20% year over year. This drove our segment revenues lower, but we were additionally impacted by unfavorable vehicle and product mix shift, inventory destocking of Exco's products in the supply chain, as well as our own operational and logistical constraints. New program launches contributed to our results this quarter, including one key new program where we are supplying sizable content on a fleet of commercial EV vans. This program will begin to ramp up more significantly in our third fiscal quarter and continue for several years. Moreover, we will continue to ramp up several other new key programs through 2023 that will provide outsized growth relative to our historical performance. Meanwhile, quoting activity and new program awards remains very decent. We are seeing a number of sizable new opportunities, particularly with electric vehicles from both new and established OEMs. On the cost side, our margins suffered from greatly reduced overhead absorption due to the lower volumes. Employee severance costs were also a factor, although we also carried extra costs as we have retained surplus labor in anticipation that demand levels will rebound in the coming quarters. Fluctuations in, the, in forecast versus actual order releases were again problematic this quarter. This occurred as our customers juggled their own production schedules in response to the chip shortage issue. These challenges were pushed down to the supply base and placed strain on our own production planning process. Moreover, raw material cost increases picked up and we faced various supply chain challenges of our own. These elements required us to be nimble and also absorb a lot of extra costs related to overtime, material substitution, and expedited freight. Pricing remains tough in this business, and there is limited ability to use this tool as a lever. We did, however, take pricing action where possible to recover higher input costs. We will see the impact of these actions in our second quarter. In our casting and extrusion segment, our top line held up fairly well. In fact, we recorded modest growth over the prior year. The extrusion market remained strong this quarter with high demand across a number of end markets. Our extrusion tooling ultimately supports a diverse range of applications, including residential and industrial building and construction, solar panels, consumer durable products, and various modes of transportation. This quarter, we again demonstrated we could keep up with the sizable demand growth by utilizing equipment and labor more efficiently while leveraging the harmonized manufacturing process of our numerous group facilities. 
With regards to the latter, this initiative has allowed us to centralize certain processes such as programming and design and utilize our capacity on a network basis. All of this keeps our cost low, capacity high, and provides us with the ability to manufacture a quality product in a standardized manner. We are making significant strategic investments to further shrink lead times, drive down our operating costs, and insource more of our own heat treat requirements, all while reducing our environmental footprint. The die-cast market, which is driven by automotive production, however softened materially in the quarter as lower vehicle production was magnified by inventory destocking. This negatively impacted demand for cast tools consumable die-cast tooling while the large mold group suffered from reduced rebuild work. Nonetheless, we achieved a number of program wins that will benefit future quarters. In fact, we achieved record levels of order intake in our large mold group, ending the quarter with the highest backlog in our history. We are very bullish on the long-term outlook of this business, given the growing demand for large and complex die-cast components, coupled with our leading market position, full-service capabilities, and view that supply change will become more localized over time. As well, our additive tooling business continues to perform very strongly, contributing record levels of sales and order intake during the quarter. Additive tooling is a critical differentiator, providing us with an unmatched competitive edge. We are extremely optimistic on where this business will go. Looking at the casting and extrusion segment margins, we experienced weakness this quarter from levels that we have otherwise come to expect. Segment margins were impacted by unfavorable product mix, rising input costs, higher freight charges, and labor disruption due to COVID, all of which outpaced ongoing efficiency gains. As well, front-end losses at Castool's new plant in Morocco added to the margin pressure this quarter, as revenue was only started to be generated towards the end of the quarter. We did take pricing action where possible through the quarter to protect our margins and expect the impact will be evident in our next quarter. Lastly, as we announced during the quarter, we reached an agreement to acquire Halix, Europe's second largest manufacturer of extrusion dies. There's not really much more of an update at this time. We continue to work towards closing the acquisition this spring and welcoming Halex employees to Exco at that time. That concludes my operations overview. I will now pass the call to Matthew to discuss the financial highlights of the quarter. Matthew? Thank you, Darren. Good morning. Consolidated sales for the first quarter into December 31st were $101 million, a decrease of $20.4 million. Over the quarter, the consolidated impact of exchange rate movements reduced sales by $3.5 million. Adjusting for the impact of foreign exchange, first quarter sales at our automotive solution segment decreased $18.6 million, or 24%, and the casting and extrusion group sales were up $1.6 million, or 4%. Consolidated net income for the first quarter was $2.7 million, or earnings of $0.07 cents per share, compared to $10.9 million, or $0.28 cents per share, in the same quarter last year a 75% decrease in net income. The effective income tax rate for the current quarter was 26% compared to 22% in the prior year period. The income tax rate in the current year quarter was impacted by geographic distribution and foreign rate differentials. The automotive solution segment experienced a 27% decrease in sales in the first quarter, or a decrease of $20.9 million to $55.2 million. The decrease in sales is attributed to lower OEM production volumes due to COVID-19 constraints, related supply chain disruptions, storage 
including a shortage of semiconductor chips, unfavorable vehicle production mix, logistics challenges, and the negative impact of foreign exchange. First quarter pre-tax earnings in the automotive solutions segment totaled $3.4 million, which is a decrease of $8.2 million, or 71%, over the same quarter last year. The segment's lower pre-tax profit is due to the 24% reduction in sales, causing lower overhead absorption and higher material, logistics, and labor costs. The casting and extrusion segment recorded sales of $45.8 million in the first quarter compared to $45.3 million last year, an increase of half a million dollars. The extrusion group experienced strong sales at its locations reflecting steady demand for extrusion tools and market share gains. The cast tool and large mold groups sales were down during the quarter due to the same supply chain disruptions caused by the semiconductor shortage negatively impacting automotive vehicle production lowering demand for consumable tooling for die casting and rebuild work for molds. The large mold group quoted and was awarded a number of programs from current and new customers in the quarter. As a result, inventories and backlog are increasing. Pre-tax earnings in the casting extrusion segment declined by $2.6 million or 7% over the same quarter last year to $4.6 million. The impact of inflationary pressure on raw materials and transportation combined with lower overhead absorption at cast tool and large mold reduced pre-tax profit. Exco generated cash from operating activities of $8 million during the quarter and $5.2 million of free cash flow after $2.8 million in maintenance fixed asset expenditures. This cash flow, together with cash on hand, was more than sufficient to fund fixed assets for growth initiatives of $8.2 million and $3.9 million of dividends. Exco ended the quarter with $11.6 million in net cash and $35.3 million in available liquidity, including $26.3 million of balance sheet cash. Exco's financial position remains very strong. As such, the company's balance sheet and availability under the existing credit facility allows considerable flexibility to support strategic initiatives like our Halix extrusion purchase announced in December 2021. Our strong financial position combined with our free cash flow creates a foundation for management to pursue high-value growth capital expenditures, dividends, and other opportunities that may arise. That concludes my comments. We can now transition to the Q&A portion of the call. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder to ask the question, you will need to press star then one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Again, that's star one to ask the question. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Our first question comes from the line of David Ocampo with Cormac Securities. Your line is open. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, David. Karen, I'm just curious, what percentage of the contracts that you guys have in place were you were you able to reprice? And I'm just thinking about it more higher level. When you combine that with sort of that operational efficiencies that you guys are looking for, are, are you guys able to offset that inflationary pressure and, and hit your 15% target, or, or are we thinking more longer term where we need to see some of these contracts roll off? Okay. Uh, so I, I, I presume you're talking about the automotive solutions uh, segment. Yeah, that's right. 
And um, yeah, you know, a lot of, uh, of that business is uh, kind of fixed price work that continues for a number of years. And, um, you know, you uh, kind of are exposed to rising raw material uh, costs. And, um, you know, our path back to kind of a 15% um, segment EBITDA margin uh, certainly remains um, very achievable uh, in our minds. Um, the, that path includes kind of first getting back to uh, normalized um, sales levels and then having the benefit of uh, the new program launches for uh, overabsorption of, um, of overhead uh, that we uh, plan uh, through the next uh, at least couple of years. Uh, and, you know, there, there are pockets of, um, of products uh, within the segment where we do have some pricing power, and we're certainly, and we have uh, uh, pursued that. Uh, so, um, you know, it, it's, it's probably uh, the minority uh, of products, and the rest you have to offset with uh, efficiency gains, which we continue to do. Uh, there are other aspects, such as um, uh, LTAs, or long-term pricing adjustments, where um, you, uh, you know, have an obligation to reduce prices through the program, but um, you know, with pushback, we expect that uh, you know we'll we'll be successful in in, in not taking those um, reductions. So um, you know, that's kind of at a high level uh, how we think about the um, uh, the impact of of, of rising um, rising costs in that segment. Okay, understood. And then. A lot of the discussion over the last few quarters has been on your large mold division and the impact on sales from the shift to EV. Uh, but one area that we haven't really touched on is the margin profile. So are, are the molds for EV, in your view, you know, similar to transmissions and engine blocks, or, or could they even be higher than, than where, the, where your legacy business is today? Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that there is um, you know, a reason to expect uh, a dissimilar uh, margin for for EV molds as opposed to, to powertrain. I mean, just but just generally, as um, as molds get larger and more complex, it uh, it reduces the number of players that can effectively compete uh, in the space and uh, requires much more sophisticated engineering and, and technical depth and. You know, you, you would expect that that would be accompanied with, with higher value add uh, over time, but uh, we're, we're certainly not uh, modeling that in. But uh, I think that the logic bolts together. Okay. And then last one for me, what kind of ramp can we expect at the uh, new cast tool facility? Is it something similar to what we've seen with the other greenfield facilities where, you know, it takes a couple quarters to get up to profitability? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, there's uh, certainly uh, a few quarters of, uh, of drag uh, in the profitability, but uh, by, by the end of, uh, of the fiscal year, we would uh, certainly expect that facility to be uh, at least deep adopt break even, uh, if not better. Um, our five-year target that we have disclosed of um, realizing uh, at least $30 million of revenue between uh, Castul's uh, plant in Morocco and then their uh, planned new plant in Mexico. Uh, by the end of that time frame, uh, certainly holds uh, uh, certainly holds true. Okay, that's it for me. I'll hop back in the queue. Thanks, guys. Thanks, David. Thanks, David.
Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Peter Schuyler with BMO Capital Markets. The line is open. Yeah, good morning, Darren and Matthew. Um, my first question is, um, like, you've done a really good job explaining, you know, how the earnings uh, deteriorated year over year. But, the, but I would just like to have a little bit of discussion versus quarter over quarter versus the fourth quarter. So, like, if you look at vehicle production volumes, like, they were – you know, stronger global vehicle production volumes, North American glo- North American vehicle production volumes were stronger in Q1 than they were in Q4, but like the earnings of the company in both segments really deteriorated rapidly, you know, or significantly versus the fourth quarter. So I'm just trying to figure out what has changed since the fourth quarter, because arguably that, you know, the backdrop was pretty bad and was even worse in the fourth quarter, at least in terms of vehicle production volumes. Yeah, it's a good uh, question, Peter. And uh, I, I would explain that we were um, more so impacted by inventory destocking in our first quarter than the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, that, that concept has really come, come to a head uh, during our latest quarter. And, you know, just to kind of explain that, you know, if you're running, um, call it six die-cast machines, uh, you might have um, 12 molds. Uh, six in production and, and, you know, six backup. And uh, as, as volumes go down, then, um, you know, you first uh, deplete your, your backup dies rather than adding new, new dies for, for rebuild. And we really saw the impact of that this quarter. Uh, in fact, we, uh, we only shipped one, um, one rebuilt die uh, in, in the quarter, which is um, highly, highly unusual for us. And um, so um, I guess the, the converse of that is, is on the way up. Um, not only, you know, do you get the benefit of higher vehicle uh, production, but then you get the, uh, the inventory replenishment that, that needs to occur. And um, with our um, strong order flow that we saw in the quarter uh, rising to record backlog, uh, in the large mold group, uh, we, we certainly think and expect that we're at the front end of, of that rebound. Okay. Similar and dynamics would apply to cast tools, uh, die cast consumable tooling components, which, uh, which did see um, uh, a more sizable dip uh, this quarter than, than what we saw in prior sequential quarters. Right. Okay. Um, and can you talk a little bit about plant labor? So have you had trouble getting labor in the plant and has that disrupted your operations? Um, yeah, uh, for sure. I, I think that um, phenomenon is, is pretty widespread um, across uh, all entities. Um, and it has been exacerbated by uh, the Omicron variant in the last quarter where, you know, there were uh, some weeks where, where 20% of the, the labor or more was uh, was out uh, due to uh, uh, due to that factor, and uh, so it's uh, it's a continuing challenge to uh, to just find people, um, and then that uh, um, is is compounded by just the uh, disruption that's uh, that's occurred due to uh, due to COVID, 
and you know, we, we continue to, uh, to work against that. Um, it forces you to uh, think about how you produce things and uh, ultimately you need to become more efficient. And uh, I think that one of the benefits that we've had uh, over the years is we've, we've added uh, a lot more equipment and uh, we really haven't uh, increased our, our headcount. Um, and so we, we have become uh, more efficient and will continue to, uh, to do so. And Darren, just back on this quarter over quarter theme, like I understand you gave a good explanation why the, you know, the tooling businesses did worse, but also auto solutions did worse versus the fourth quarter. And, you know, vehicle production volumes were higher in the first quarter than the fourth quarter. So what, what happened there? Um, so that, uh, you know, is, is similar. Inventory, uh, the stocking, I think, was, uh, was, was a big factor uh, in, that, uh, in that. And then uh, labor disruption uh, as well. And uh, there, there has been some elevated um, raw material um, and input cost inflation uh, that uh, we are, uh, have taken some measures to, uh, to reverse and as we've indicated uh, in our comments and, and in, uh, in the news release that we, uh, we expect to see the benefit of, of that in our second quarter. Yeah, and Peter, another component that we look at is, is mixed between different locations and we don't get into that level of detail in these calls, but we've had different mix of, you know, production might have been up in certain areas, but depending on how it fit our mix and our production and our locations, that also caused some challenges there too. Okay, and then just my last question is in the write-up, you talked about the additive manufacturing business. I don't think I've heard that wording before. What, what, is, the, what is that? That's our uh, 3D uh, printed tooling uh, components. And um, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd love to have uh, you up to our new market plant, but uh, that's been a, a, a very, uh, strong uh, growth business and differentiator for us. But uh, what we're talking about there is uh, making parts of the, the mold components um, by printing them uh, with steel. So we, we, we basically uh, print a steel component and that enables us to um, have water lines and, and cooling lines uh, that uh, follow the contour of the mold and so we can target hot spots in the mold um, much better using um, 3D printed components than, um, than make, making those components uh, traditionally. And uh, that has an overall uh, very positive impact on the cycle time and other measures such as scrap uh, rates of, of, the, uh, of the casting process. And uh, we, are, we are leaders uh, in this business. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we won the uh, Automotive News Pace Award uh, in recognition of uh, our leadership of, of this business. And we're seeing greater and greater traction uh, from, uh, from many customers. Uh, and so we use these um, additively produced components in our own mold, molds. And we also sell uh, some of them uh, as kind of um, uh, replacement uh, components for uh, for mold rebuilds. So uh, it's a uh, it's it's a very exciting uh, part of the lar large mold group, and uh, 
we expect it will have um, you know very strong growth over the coming years. I understand. Is it is it like a, a prototype tooling or is it a prototype? No, it's part? a production tooling. It's, it, oh, it, I see. They're, they're used in in the molds and in more and more of our molds. In fact, most of them now have uh, 3D printed uh, mold components in them uh, that serves to uh, improve the efficiency uh, of the overall mold. Interesting. Okay, thanks. That's all I have. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, that's star one to ask the question. I'm showing no further questions in the queue. I will now like to turn the call back over to Darren for closing remarks. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for um, your time this morning. Uh, we look forward to uh, speaking to you again next quarter. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.